God calls everyone one way or another. That's right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible. And we believe that the 66 books written by the 40 authors over 1,500 years, this is God's word. So we encourage you to join us and turn your Bible guide to today's passage. We'll tell you how to get one in just a moment. Corey is here. Corey, what's going on? I'm taking a look at Isaiah chapter 46 and the so-called gods of Babylon. Ryan? Well, you know, the Bible promotes the earth as a privileged place, but some insist that it's just an insignificant pale blue dot. But what does the science really show? Okay, so what does the science really show? That's a really good question, privileged planet. Anyway, uh, what about you? Well, it's Friday. That means we have a weekly wrap-up question for you. It's going to be anywhere from Isaiah 29 through to 47. Isaiah 45, 1-8 Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord, who called you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, let them bring forth salvation, and let the righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. Isaiah chapter 45, chapter 46 and chapter 47. We're going to focus on 45 today. Now, can God work through people who do not know him? Now, that's a question that we would find the answer to in Isaiah 45. Cyrus was a a Persian king whom God called even though he did not know God. As we think about this and look at history, I believe that we can say that God often calls people to do things his will requires, even though they do not know or acknowledge him in any way. In fact, may never acknowledge him at all. Now, don't let possible conflict of interest get you here. 
God is the Lord of everything and everyone, regardless of their beliefs. God is able to call people even if they have no interest in knowing or serving him. As our example of this, Cyrus had two specific assignments from God. One, to punish the nations for destroying Israel and Judah. And two, to resurrect the temple of God in Jerusalem and end the Babylonian exile. Now, as we read this chapter, let's ask God to help us understand the Bible as we have never understood it before. Now, that's important. Do you read the Bible without praying first? Or do you pray first and then read the Bible? It is a good thing to pray and ask the Lord to help you understand it because our minds go everywhere. They're off here, off there. But then when we bring it down, we say, Lord, we're going to bring this down. So let's focus on that. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage, Isaiah 45. Very interesting. If you don't have a Bible guide, here's what you can do. You can write to us. That may take too much time for you. Or you can call us, get directly in and order it. Or here's a faster way. You can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on the Bible Guide page. It'll take you to a donate. And let me say this. Thank you so much for your donations. We very much appreciate them. They keep us alive. So thank you for that. And then it takes you to a place where you can download this exactly how we have it printed. And you'll have your own copy in your computer. That's very, very good. Now today, knowing God. I think we should pray before this one. Father, I pray today that as we look at Isaiah 45, we're going to hear what you're saying, how to know you. And Lord, I pray that you, because there's, there's knowing about you and there's knowing there's a God somewhere, but then there's knowing you. There's giving our life to you and serving you. And Lord, I pray that everybody who's watching this program would begin to know you. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together all of this, amen. Now, this is very important because we need to look at it. This is Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 to 3. Here's what it says. Thus says the Lord to all his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of the kings, to open before him the double doors, so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight, Cyrus. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I am the Lord who called you by your name and the God of Israel. Okay, that's stunning. Lord, help us to know this. God calls everyone, one way or another, God calls you. We would do well to come to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive our sins. This is God's will. That's why we always say on this program, come to know Jesus. You don't have to call an 800 number or get this or buy that or whatever. Just come to know Jesus. That's the main thing. That's the main reason that we're here talking to you today. That partners have given resources so we can put, so you can know that you can call on Jesus Christ. Yeshua HaMashiach is his Hebrew name. 
Very, very important. Now, Isaiah 4 to 6, chapter 45. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name, Cyrus. I have named you, though you have not known me. You didn't know me, Cyrus. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. God uses his call on everyone to tell us the truth about who he is. Our lives speak of the Lord, even if we do not follow him. Now, my suggestion and strong recommendation and urging is to come to know Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Because knowing God makes you, your sins are forgiven of God, it makes you right before God. God is not somebody who's in our mind off somewhere or a general overview. God is personal and he's real. And you can know him if you call on Jesus Christ. Very important. Now, seven and eight, very interesting. I formed the light and create the darkness, God says. I make peace and create calamity, God says. I, the Lord, do all these things. Rain down, you heavens, from above. And let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and let the righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Which brings me to the third point. God brought Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, to us to die for our sins and rise from the dead to give us life everlasting. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago and we put him to death. But you know, death couldn't hold him because he's God. He rose from the dead miraculously. There's no body of Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. And then he said to us, he ascended to heaven and he appeared to the disciples, over 500 people, and he said to us, go tell the world who I am and tell them I'm coming back and tell them to follow my decrees. And so if you pray with me today, right now, and you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I can't do better. I have to come to you and ask forgiveness. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Literally, it's that simple. When you begin to understand God, he changes your life. Things begin to shift and change. Start reading the Bible. Start praying. Stay with us. Find a church, whatever. But stay in the Bible every day and God will totally transform your life.
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. So in Isaiah chapter 46, God talks through the prophet Isaiah about these gods of Babylon that his people are going to have to interact with one way or the other. I mean, God is going to use, he's prophesied through Isaiah that he's going to use the nation of Babylon to humble and punish Judah and Jerusalem. So they're going to have to interact with these gods of Babylon. Let's find out who they were. Due to Israel's interaction with Babylon, and specifically with the Neo-Babylonian Empire of Nebuchadnezzar II, there are many references to this nation and its practices in the Bible. In the biblical books of the prophets, the religious system of Babylon is often called out to be in direct opposition to biblical beliefs. This was particularly concerning as many former citizens of Israel and Judah had been removed from their land as exiles and lived in Babylon with and under this system of worship. Connected to this exile imagery, the prophet Isaiah, living before the Babylonian exile but still in a time when Babylon's chief god Marduk was widely worshipped, makes the claim that one day Marduk's idol would be carried off into exile with its people. The history of Marduk is an interesting one. His main cult center was the city of Babylon at the great ziggurat and adjacent dedicated temple. This ziggurat and temple faced a series of destructions, rebuilding, and renovations throughout the many ages of its existence. But the most famous reconstruction occurred under the watchful eye of Nebuchadnezzar II, the great builder king of Babylon who also was responsible for the destruction of the Jerusalem temple and who appears as a main figure in the biblical book of Daniel. During this time, Babylon's temple and ziggurat experienced a type of golden age, when its former glory was perhaps even surpassed by the extravagance of Nebuchadnezzar's renovations. Nebuchadnezzar could then claim to be a truly dedicated monarch and take up his place at the yearly festival held for Marduk, when the king would take the idol by the hand and lead it through the streets of Babylon to another temple, where all would bring their offerings and worship. The worship of Marduk goes so far back into the history of the city of Babylon that his origins become murky, but his association with and as the patron god of Babylon are likely original. It's believed that as the city of Babylon gained political power and domination over other cities and territories, that the power of Marduk also grew, beginning to absorb other gods and their powers and realms into his own. As Marduk absorbed other gods in popular belief, their names became descriptive names for his many attributes, until eventually Marduk could even just be referred to as Bel, meaning Lord. By the time of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar II, Marduk was king over all the gods and the savior of humanity. These roles had been described in the even now famous Enuma Elish and another poem. 
Marduk was believed to be strong enough to rule over all other gods and to be personally interested in helping the fate of humanity, which adds a very sobering context for Nebuchadnezzar's confession of Israel's God as recorded in the book of Daniel. So there we go. Now you have a little bit of a better idea who the gods of Babylon were that Isaiah 46 is talking about. And, and keep in mind here that Isaiah is being very clear. God through Isaiah is being very clear to the people. It has nothing to do with the gods of Babylon that Babylon is going to be able to overtake Judah. God is telling them before it happens because he is judging Israel and Judah. And then the very next chapter, chapter 47 of Isaiah, goes into how God will then cause the fall of Babylon. So God is then going to judge Babylon. So I guess the temptation would be, because the people of Babylon would claim it, that when they are able to finally overthrow Judah and Jerusalem, that it's because uh, their gods have been more powerful than the God of Israel. But God told them generations before that this was going to happen uh, so that they would know that actually it has nothing to do with the power of Babylon's gods, but it has everything to do with the power of Judah's sin. Yeah, because the sin is what God is reacting to. Yeah, and, he's bringing uh, judgment. That's something that comes out. Now, you you mentioned uh, on the last program about this and uh, the walking through the fire. God said, when you go through the fire, I'll be with you. You talked about the Hebrew, the names, the Persian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who walked in the fire. Yes. And all of this is a miracle over time. And that's fascinating. It hasn't happened yet in Isaiah's time. Right. But it's going to happen. Fascinating stuff. Okay, right? All right. So my segment today is inspired from passages like Isaiah 45, 18, which says, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. And in Isaiah 48, 13, God declares, Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call them, they stand up together. You know, these verses along with lots of others promote planet earth as a very special and a very unique place created directly by the hand of God. But many people today don't believe that. As an example, consider the late atheistic scientist, Dr. Carl Sagan. He taught that the Earth is nothing special, but instead completely insignificant. And he wrote that our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, he says, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Unfortunately, though, for Sagan and those like him, this is not what the scientific data is revealing. Many claim that the Earth, solar system, and entire universe was all just an accident of nature. In fact, Carl Sagan, who famously referred to planet Earth as an insignificant pale blue dot, wrote that to believe we have some privileged position in the universe is a delusion. However, recent astronomical observations seriously challenge this statement. In fact, not only does science contradict it, but ironically, it is our very placement in the universe which even makes scientific discovery possible in the first place. For example, in our solar system, Earth is the only planet that scientists know of on which a total solar eclipse can be viewed. In order for this to occur, the Sun and Moon have to have relationships in both size and distance to the planet. The Moon has a diameter of approximately 3,400 kilometers and orbits the Earth at an average distance of 380,000 kilometers. The Sun is about 400 times further away from the Earth than the Moon is, 
However, it is also 400 times larger than the Moon. This means that from the Earth, the Sun and Moon appear to be the same size. This is so precise that the Moon covers the Sun perfectly, giving us on Earth a stunning view of the corona. If the Moon was slightly larger or smaller, this would not be possible. Thanks to this view of the corona, scientists are able to use the spectra to uncover the chemistry of the Sun. Thus Earth is placed in a prime position in the solar system to make scientific observations about our home star. And not only is Earth placed in a prime position for scientific discovery, but also for life itself. Indeed, Earth is a unique planet in our solar system, as it happens to be at precisely the correct distance from the Sun to provide just the right amount of heat and light needed for life. Astronomers refer to this area around a star where life could exist as the Goldilocks Zone. Even the Sun itself has prime placement in the universe. Indeed, scientists have recently discovered that our star happens to be in a location within our galaxy which actually makes scientific discovery possible. In fact, if the Sun were closer to the center of the Milky Way, or if it were further out, we would not be able to view the stars and it would create many problems. Despite the claims of Sagan and many others, our placement in the universe is by no means insignificant. In fact, it is our placement which allows us to make the scientific observations necessary which do in fact confirm our unique placement. While a privileged position in the universe does not fit well with naturalistic assumptions, it is precisely what would be expected if the universe were the result of a wise and intelligent creator. Interestingly, the Bible promotes Earth as the main stage of the universe. For example, out of the six days of creation, five were spent on preparing the Earth. Additionally, Jesus Christ came only to the Earth to die and to do so explicitly for human beings. Therefore, the Earth, according to the Bible and to science, though indeed a small speck, is extremely unique. So as you can see, not only was Dr. Sagan wrong about our placement in the universe being insignificant, but he was also wrong that no one will come to save us. See, just as Jesus came the first time to Earth to die for us, he is coming again very soon to save us from ourselves, to use Sagan's own words. There is hope. We aren't just random assortments of molecules with no purpose as naturalists like Sagan would have us believe. Jesus Christ is both our Creator and our Savior, and it's time that we acknowledge and come to Him today. I think it's important to remember in today's world, when everybody's going crazy and everybody has their own feelings on things, that we understand that God, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, is the Savior. He is the God. He has given us purpose, and when we connect with Him, give our lives to Him, suddenly the Holy Spirit gives us purpose. And that is what Carl Sagan moved away from. His mm -hmm. daughter did not. His daughter came to know Christ, but he moved away from. But I think there's a knowledge today that some, there's something else. And well, we yeah. need to continue that knowledge and go after Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, and Paul, Paul kind of, he talks about that in Romans, how we're all hardwired with the knowledge Absolutely. of God and that we just suppress it. And some Absolutely. of us have suppressed it more than others. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the reality of it. And Very you were good. created with a purpose. Yeah. We all do have a purpose. Yes. And it's when we come to that realization of who God is, all of a sudden it's like the light comes on. Because mm -hmm. yeah. the light does come on. Mm -hmm. That light on. is through... God. Speaking of coming <laughs> on, you and your husband are doing something this weekend, Matt, or Corey, so what's going on? We have a show that comes on every Friday. <laughs> yes, okay, so we, we release uh, Bible Discoveries, the weekend show, on Fridays. It's available, obviously, for the weekend then after that. 
But what it is, is we discuss issues that pop up as we're reading through the Bible. So things that we don't get to talk about here on The Daily Show. Uh, and we also make time to discuss some viewer questions as well. So if you're interested in that, check out my YouTube channel. It's Corey Babechko on YouTube. Uh, and I also do a chapter by chapter recap, a quick one. I aim to hit about 10 minutes. Sometimes I go up to 13. It is what it is. <laughs> I try. But it's just to keep you, if you've fallen behind and you're reading it, it gets you caught back up so that you can just keep on going through yeah. this. It, it, we don't have a lot of traffic on YouTube, but uh, we encourage you because you've got your name. We've got Pastor Rod Hembry on YouTube. We've got Ryan Hembry on YouTube. And there's not a lot of people there. And so... Uh, yeah, and the, the good thing is that uh, when you watch the shows on YouTube, especially the weekend show and the 10-minute the chapter-by-chapter recap, is that then we can take your comments and we can interact with you and, and put your feature some of your questions even on the weekend show. So yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. Speaking of questions. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I do. I do on mine. I go and read through speaking them. Speaking of once questions. Once a week, it's really good. Okay, the question. I mentioned questions. So here speaking we go. Speaking of questions. All right. So this is our Friday wrap-up question. Anywhere from Isaiah 29 to 47. So much information in here that we could use. However, I rounded it down to this. How many years did the Lord extend Hezekiah's life. How many years did the Lord extend Hezekiah's life? Was it five years? Was it 10 years? Was it 15 years? What say you and what do you say at home? This might be your first time going through the Bible. You might not even know who Hezekiah is. So get ready. If you don't know who Hezekiah is, you're going to hear how many years mm. his life was extended by God. What do you think? Yeah, this is a great question. I, I, I love this story of Hezekiah. I do too. I think he's one of the most interesting kings of Judah and Jerusalem. And and I know partially that's because there's a lot in the Bible about him. Right? That's so true. So we know yeah. more about him. And than we, we, we do even about. have things like Hezekiah's tunnel and all that, which I hope to get through one day. And his name is in his name is in the Assyrian records as well. Yeah, so we've got that's we've true. got Assyrian records talking about Hezekiah. So lots of different sources of information. We have his signet seals. We do. We also have know? 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so what is We can talk all day, but it's I can't. true. We're going to go with 15, 15 though. For 15 sure. years. 15. Okay, before you go, mm -hmm. Daniel, what do you say? He's behind that camera. Camera win. You say 15, Daniel? 15. Okay. Daniel camera knows what's what. Right. He knows what's what. He knows what's what. It is 15, and we're going to read Isaiah 38, verse 5, just to make sure that I'm not leading you in the wrong direction. Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. We need to pray for the refugees around the world. There are many of them, and they do not get highlighted often enough. Father, we pray today for those who are living in tents, living literally with tarps surrounding them, 
Father, reach them and help them and, and ministries are in there trying to work with them and give them food and help them and be with those ministries and touch them, Lord. Help us, we put our minds on that, Lord. And help me to commit my life to you more sacredly today in Jesus' name.